0: It's good to be with you guys. If you don't have an opportunity to uh, to join us on Christmas Eve, I just want to take this opportunity to say Merry Christmas to you. I hope it's an amazing, amazing time for you and your family. Um, we are continuing looking at the names of Jesus in Isaiah chapter nine verse six. And so, if you have a Bible and you want to turn there with me, Isaiah chapter nine verse six. <coughs> if you don't, that's totally okay. We're going to have um, the scriptures on the screen. And again, if you weren't here last week, we're doing things a little bit differently than we normally do. them. I'm keeping the band on the stage with me. It's a very short sermon today, but I'm going to go through one of the names of Christ. There's basically two points to it. And then after the first point, we're just going to stop and they're going to come kind of back up and they're going to respond. And we are going to respond together back to the Lord instead of waiting to the end of the message. Just let our souls rejoice in this truth that we're hearing About Jesus. If you're at another campus, I want to invite you, um, even though your worship leaders aren't going to come up, just stand up with us and join right along. So we're in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We're looking at the names of Jesus in this prophecy that Isaiah gives years before (coughs) Jesus was born. And we're doing that because we talked about last week that each one of the names of Christ has meaning. In other words, it's not just one of his names, but each one of his names teaches us something about his character. It teaches us something about who he is and and how he relates to us and his nature and that sort of thing. And last week, actually, let's go ahead and read it together. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So it says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, last week we looked at the first two names. Of of Jesus in this prophecy of Isaiah, we, we looked at mighty God. That one of the names of Jesus is mighty God, which teaches us something about the character of Christ, that He is in fact deity. That this man is not just some other man. He's not just a Christmas is not just a story about some guy who who kind of revealed God to us. But Christmas is a story of, of God of the universe putting on our flesh and coming to us and introducing us to himself. And that's what distinguishes Christianity from every major religion in the world. And so one of the names of Jesus is mighty God. The other one of the names of Christ is wonderful counselor. And we talked about that there's a big difference between being a teacher and a counselor. His name could have very easily been... um, Wonderful teacher, it's not. It's wonderful counselor. Counseling is, is life on life. It's face to face. The counselor wants to care for you and know your heart. And so the amazing truth of Christmas is what we celebrate, it's what we sing about, it's what we get emotional about, is the fact that the creator of the universe, the, the one that created the heavens and the earth with the sound of his voice came to us and is now our wonderful counselor. And that's incredible. Well, today we're just going to look at one name, the third name of of Jesus. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the last one, which is Prince of Peace. But we're going to look at the third name that Isaiah gives us for Christ. Let's read it together, Isaiah 9, 6, one more time. It says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father. Isaiah said that one of the names of Jesus... Is everlasting Father. Now, I want to talk for just a second about that um, because over the last 2,000 years, there's actually been a ton of debate about what that means, that one of the names of Christ is everlasting Father. Because when you're reading this verse, if you're not thinking deeply about it, you just think, okay, God's eternal, God's our Father, that makes sense, everlasting Father. But you got to remember that these are not the names of God the Father, these are names of God the Son. These are the names of Jesus. And, and, and ignoring that distinction on this particular verse a long time ago back in church history gave rise to a, <coughs> um, a heresy called modalism. Let me just real quickly um, describe to you what modalism is, and so if you, you can impress your parents this week if you want to. Um, but modalism, what it is, is it's the heresy that says that God is one person, but he just manifested himself in different ways throughout history. And so in other words, you have God who manifested himself as God the Father in the Old Testament, You've got God who manifested himself as God the Son in the New Testament, and you've got God the Spirit, or God, rather, who manifested himself as God the Spirit in the church age, and, but that's heresy because we know that God is one person but has, um, is three persons of the deity, and we see that probably most clearly in Jesus' baptism. And so in Jesus' baptism, you've got God the Son who's being baptized, you've got God the Spirit that descends upon him, and then you've got God the Father starts talking and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so you have all three persons of the Godhead showing up in one place at one time. Now I say all this for this reason. One, Jesus and the father are one. He said that we also know that all the fullness of the father dwells in the son. So Jesus possesses all of God's character and all of God's nature, but we have to remember that they're distinct in their personhood. Okay. Now this is not a sermon on the Trinity but i say all that for this reason. What does it mean then that God the Son, one of his names, is eternal father? What is Isaiah <coughs> trying to reveal to us about the character and the nature of Jesus when he calls him eternal father? Well, there's two, kind of, there's two things that I think the Bible is teaching us about the person of Jesus and how he relates to us. And the first one is this, and it has to do with a funky theological term, called um, Federal Headship. And that's just a really fancy way of saying this. And so hear what I'm about to say. That in the same way that Adam was our father and inheriting sin and death, so Jesus is now our father and our inheritance of righteousness and eternal life. Okay, that's what it means, that Jesus is the eternal father. In the same way that Adam, we received as an inheritance from our first dad, sin and death, we receive an inheritance from Christ of righteousness and eternal life. Okay, to kind of understand (coughs) what it means that we've inherited sin and death from Adam, turn with me quickly to Romans chapter 5, because Paul talks about this, um, how sin entered into the world and how death is a consequence of sin that entered into the world. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Check this out. And there's, he talks about this for a long time in Romans, but he kind of sums it up in this one verse. And so I'll just read the one verse to you. Paul says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. Okay, that's Adam. Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, now here's what that said. Adam is our first father, and we all know the story. Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. He was separated in his relationship with God. God is completely holy. Adam allowed sin to come into the relationship, and so because of that, listen, the consequence of Adam's sin was death. Okay, the consequence of Adam's sin was death. Now, what the Scripture teaches us is because Adam sinned, he passed he passed to every generation that's come after him because he's our first father, he passed to us a sin nature. We didn't inherit from Adam a propensity to sin. We inherited from our first father a sinful (coughs) nature. Every single person, generation from Adam down, except for Jesus, which I'll talk about in a second, has inherited a sinful nature, okay? And if you don't believe that, like if, if your person's like, I don't know if I believe that every single person has a sin nature. All you need to do is hang out with like a two-year-old for a couple of hours, and then you're like Carter. You're right. The Bible's right. Right? The, the sinful nature. It's there. Nobody taught them to be evil. This kid's just evil. And <clears throat> one of the first times I, that I really kind of came to terms with the fact that children are evil inherently is um, <clears throat> my daughter was I think she's about one and a half. Um, Jennifer, how old would JD have been? Well, then he's one and a half. About three and a half. So. Put you on the spot there. So, JD, my oldest son, was three and a half. My daughter's about one and a half. She was just talking. And um, Jennifer, my wife, and I were on the bed with our two kids. Sammy wasn't born yet. And um, JD, he was three, and he was messing with his little sister. He was kind of poking her or doing something. And Annie, when she was a kid, she was always just kind of had a mean streak in her. And she just could take so much of JD and then she put it into it. But he was poking her and messing with her or something. And she had just learned to talk. And she got this look on her face. Like, I'm about to kill you if you keep poking I mean, Of course, he keeps poking with her. And she rears back, open-handed. She rears back, and she got it back about right here. And she looked at him, and she said, no, Bubby. She called him Bubby. She goes, no, Bubby. And just whack. And she just hit him right across the face and just laid him out. I mean, just he just laid out. It was like, ah, he's screaming. And she gets over him like, yeah, I just knocked you out like that. Well, Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer being the good mom that she is, you know, jumps in. And she's going to discipline Annie. So she looks at Annie just real fast. And she says, Annie, you do not hit your brother. Like that. And right about the time that she got brother out of her mouth, Annie looked at her and said, no, mommy. Bam. And just bam, just hit Jennifer. <coughs> and just laid Jennifer out. Jennifer's like, oh. She goes down on the bed. Now me, I'm sitting there watching all this happen. And me being the good father that I am, looked at that situation happen. And I started laughing my head off because, I mean, that was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen, bam, bam, like that. And so I'm sitting there laughing and I kind of put my head up, like, all right, I probably need to say that. And I look up, that girl's looking at me in the eye like that. She goes, no, daddy, bam, and hits me too, lays me out. And I tell you that for this reason, that's a true story before Jesus, kids are evil. I did not have to teach this girl to be evil. She just came out of the womb evil, right? She has since learned to be good. And that's what the Bible is saying here in Romans. Adam sinned and he passed down <coughs> to every single one of us that sinful nature. And so what the Bible's saying is because all of us have sinned, every single one of us, hear this, is going to receive, you're going to, you're going to receive the consequence that Adam got for his sin, which is death. Every single one of us is going to die. It's something we don't like to think about, but everybody in this room, if the Lord tarries and doesn't come back, every one of us in this room is going to die. The death rate in America, it's hovering somewhere around 100%. We're all going to die, and we're all going to experience, again, the consequence of our sin, which is death. And here's the thing. That stinks. It stinks. I don't know if you've ever lost somebody close to you. I have. And, and, and death is, is just by far and away, in my opinion, <clears throat> it's the worst part of life. It just it's so wrenching um, when you experience it. It is just the ugliest, grossest thing that you'll ever, ever, ever experience. And so that is why to me Christmas has always meant so much. Because what Christmas is all about is Christmas is celebrating this good news. That there has been someone who has come to us, was born unto us. And I want you to hear this. And this person that was born to us was named Jesus. And he never sinned. He never sinned. Never one time, like unlike you and me and Adam... Not one time in his entire life did he ever sin. Okay, he never inherited a sin nature from Adam. You know why he didn't inherit his sin nature from Adam? Because Adam wasn't his dad. Mary was a virgin. That's why the virgin birth is absolutely critical to our theology. Jesus did not inherit a sin nature like we did. And so through the power of the Spirit and obedience to God, he walked in complete obedience in his life. He never sinned. Now listen carefully. Because he was the only person that never sinned, he never earned the consequence of sin, which is death. Jesus is the only human being that ever walked on the face of the earth that did not earn and did not deserve death. Okay, y'all with me so far? But he still died. Jesus still died. God sent Jesus for this purpose to die. This perfect person, this person that never earned death, God sent him to this earth so that he would die. And so now this whole thing, the gospel, it all comes down to this. This is the gospel. This is why we celebrate. If you're new to church, if you're you're new to Christianity, this is why we celebrate. What God did is God said, this this one perfect human being that never earned the consequences of, of death, he died so that he can be your substitute this perfect person that never died, that never earned the consequence of sin because he never sinned, he can take your place. He, through his death, paid the penalty for your sin. And so that if you trust in that, that's what this is all about. It's not praying some prayer. It's I am trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And if I put my trust in him, then my death will be removed from me, and then when I die, I can be raised again to eternal life. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Amen? That's it. That's why we sing. The scripture says in (coughs) Romans chapter six, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. The, The word wage right there, it means payment. The payment you and I will receive because we're sinners is death, but then the best news in history, he drops on us right next. He says, but the free gift of God The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He looked at us and and he so loved us that he gave his son. He sent his son to die. Never sinned. He gave his only son that whoever believes into him will not die eternally but we'll have eternal life. And then in Romans 5, 8, <coughs> Paul concludes his argument back in Romans 5. He says, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men. In other words, one sin led to condemnation for all of us. So, talking about Jesus now, so one act of righteousness, one act of righteousness, a sinless man dying on a cross leads to justification and life for all men. So what does it mean? When Isaiah says that Jesus is our eternal father, that his name is eternal father, here's what it means. That in the same way, in the same way through Adam we inherited sin and death, through Jesus we inherit from a new father, we inherit righteousness and life. And so yes, because of Adam and because of your sin, you are going to die. You're going to die, I'm gonna die. But what, what the Bible is teaching us right here is that if we put our faith in Jesus, That in the moment of our death, our eyes are going to open to the first moment of eternal life. And we will never, you will never experience death ever, ever again. That's what it means that he's our eternal father. And so we're going to respond to that. That's good news. Amen. That's really, really, really awesome news that in Jesus, we get to live forever. And so let's stand together. Right now, we'll stand together and we're gonna sing a song. This is one of my favorite songs of Christmas and what makes it so amazing is it's not a Christmas song. We're not about to sing a Christmas carol. This is one of the greatest songs of worship that has ever been written in human history. And I say that without hesitation. Hark the herald angels sing. Listen to the words, listen to the words. If you know the words, worship Jesus. If you don't know the words, then just, just read them and let that be an act of worship. Listen to this Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. He's raised from the dead with healing in his wings. Mild he lays. His glory by. God came to this earth in humility. Watch this. I love this line. Born that man no more will die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Heart the herald angels sing. Glory to our newborn king. Let's sing that. There's one more meaning of this name of Jesus, <coughs> eternal father. And, and I want you to listen carefully. I really am almost done. I, but what we, we learn from the character and the person of Christ, that his name is eternal father, is that not only from Jesus do we inherit eternal life, but the fact that his name is eternal father means that we receive something in our eternal life that is better than eternal life. What this name of Christ means is that not only do we inherit eternal life, but we also inherit him. We inherit Jesus, which is better than life. You know, I, I um, the this name of Jesus, eternal father, it means that, because he does carry in himself all the character and nature of God the Father, it means that Christ has all the attributes of the Father in glory. And the fact that he's eternal means that he is a Father to us that we will never say goodbye to. That's what it means. I saw something this week. I was just on the internet. I was not looking for illustrations, true story. I was not looking for some illustration about eternal Father. And I saw this little Headline, it says, man and son um, take picture together, same picture together for 28 years. And um, some of you may have seen this, it went viral. It's a really sweet picture of the same picture of this father and son over a 28-year period. The last picture they took was in 2015. And um, <clears throat> just a little caveat when we get going. It's, it's really, it's a beautiful picture of a father's love for his son, son's love for his father. They're in a different culture. Um, they, have their, they have their shirts off, and so it's a little weird seeing two Asian dudes with their shirt on as they get older. But as you see this, I just want you to realize the purity and the beauty of it. It's this, this, this beautiful picture of a father's love for a son. So here's the first picture. I want to show you this. <clears throat> That's when the son was born. And I don't know if the dad planned this or not, but this is, this is just the first one. And he's holding this son there, um, newborn child. The father just looks so young right there. And then, I, by the way, I'm not showing you all 28. I'll pick like six or seven, but here's the next one. I think this is the second year. Sons uh, one or close, and, and you can tell. He's like, I'm into my dad. This is cool. We're taking a picture. Dad's awesome. I'm awesome. We're awesome. It's really cool. Great picture. Dad's smiling. And then um, as they go through the years, one of the thing that's really interesting you see is that the son, um, he, it kind of starts hitting him that, this might be just a little weird or whatever. So let's look at the next picture. And so the son's like, I don't know about this. You know, this is, I'm, I'm going to do this because mom's making me do it. Um, but anyway, it's, you still see the love for the father and the son. And then the next picture, I think the kid's probably 13 or 14, and he's in that too cool for school stage. And he's like, I'm not quite sure if I'm even into this. So I'm going to turn around now. And, Dad, you can put your arm on me, but I'm not going to put my arm on you. Um, but then at some point in the next year, he starts realizing, okay, my dad's pretty cool, this is pretty cool, and you can see in the next picture, he's kind of starting to get into this, uh, my dad's cool, right, I like my dad. And then he grows up, and you see the love of the father and the son begin to mature and begin to grow, and we see a picture of them in adulthood here, and that's probably late teens, and so then go into the next one in adulthood. <clears throat> and then the last two pictures are probably the most, um, probably the best, probably the most emotional for me. Um, I love the second to the last picture. Let's go ahead and show it. This was taken a couple of years ago. And you see the, the the son holding the dad, which I, I think is amazing because that's kind of what happens in life is that the older you get, you kind of trade places. And then the last picture is what choked me up when I saw it the first time. Here's the last one. That was taken this year. And so you see this father and the son and now the the grandson together with them. And, and you can bring that down, but I, I showed you this for this reason. is because when I when I was looking at his pictures, in one aspect, it was, it's, it's beautiful. You see the maturing and the growing of a father's love for his son and son's love for his father. And then eventually a next generation comes and it's this beautiful picture of, of, of that. But then one of the things that I (coughs) was aware of as I looked at the pictures is there was just kind of this underlying sadness in me as I as I looked at those photographs because I realized something that there's going to come a day where they'll no longer be able to take that picture anymore you know death is that's coming and it just kind of reminded me that my time with my own son is and my own daughter is so limited their time with me is so limited it's 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 like a a breath against a mirror that that you breathe against it and it fogs and it goes away. It's just a short amount of time that we have with our earthly fathers and then it's over. But I want you to listen again, one more time, to the verse, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, and think about what this is saying about our future relationship with Jesus. In Isaiah nine, chapter six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. When you die, when you die and you experience that first unbelievable moment of eternal life, Jesus is going to be. He's gonna be there, and then 10 years from that moment, he's still gonna be there with you to hold you, to love you, to be in fellowship with you, and then 10,000 years from then, Jesus will still be there. He'll be with you to hold you, to love you, to fellowship with you, and then 10 million years from then, Jesus will still be there with you, to love you, to fellowship with you. What this means that his name is eternal father. It means that we, because of Jesus, we never have to say goodbye again. There is coming a day and it's coming soon and glory with him, we'll never have to say goodbye. Amen. Christmas is not a holiday. It's a day that we stand in awe and we worship of the truth that mighty God came to this earth to be our wonderful counselor and we will be with that wonderful counselor. Let's pray. Father, I cannot wait to be with you. And I know in the 10 millionth year from the moment I meet you, it'll be just as sweet. I thank you that you that you paid the price, that you came to us, that you died, you suffered, rose again, so that I can have a father that I never have to say goodbye to. We worship you today, mighty God. We worship you, wonderful counselor. We worship you, everlasting father. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. I pray that our lives would look different because of who you are. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.